Childproofing people's homes is hard, but Duracell is making it just a bit simpler. Not only are they committed to educating parents, caregivers, and medical professionals about the importance of battery safety, they make the only lithium coin batteries with a non-toxic bitter coating to help discourage children from swallowing them. Duracell even features child-secure packaging designed to avoid accidental opening. Learn more at Duracell.com slash power safely. Available on 2032, 2025, and 2016 sizes. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant and uh, Dinah. Dinah the Dinosaur. Uh, and Jerry's over there. That's Dino DNA. <laughs> yeah. Remember that? Yeah, I do. Man, that movie blew me away. When I was, however old I was. Oh yeah, that's from the movie, wasn't it? I thought it was from a parody of the movie. No, but yeah, Jurassic Park. Yeah, that's like the educational video they show. I just remember that first, like, it was amazing when you saw that first shot of the dinosaurs, and you were like, because you know that was all brand new. Yeah, you take it for granted now. Oh every, man, like crappy CG movie that's out today. It was like one of the greatest things anybody's ever done yeah, at the time. Great. I think they're re-releasing it too, like a 3D. Are they? Yeah, the original. <sighs> Well, that has a lot to do with bootleggers. <laughs> um, Chuck, we've talked about this before. Twice. Yeah. So Completes we, the circle. We have, uh, yeah. I think we kind of forged the circle. <laughs> it was already like, a circle. It needs circle. to be bigger. Yeah. Um, well, we did a How Moonshine Works episode, one of my all-time favorites. Agreed. If, if you haven't heard the How Moonshine Works episode, do yourself a favor. Yeah. There's some primo sound design from Jerry. Agreed. Um, we end up in a still, Yeah. if you can believe it. Yep. Uh, and what was the other one that we did where we mentioned this too? Uh, prohibition. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is another good one, which is part of another circle, a tripart episode, prohibition, addiction, and, uh, what was the other one? Oh, rehab. Yes. Man, everything is so interconnected here. It's all, the circle is getting smaller, my friend. <laughs> it's the, it's the tree of life. The tree of life. Okay, so um, what we're talking about is moonshining. Yes. Bootlegging. I have moonshine at my desk right now. Yeah, we discussed just drinking it while we were doing this, and we opted not to. <laughs> yeah, because we, it's not 1957. And right. <laughs> we like to do things in one take these days. Yeah, that's true. like 17. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mentioned the fan sent us some moonshine. Yep. In uh, the thank yous, one of the thank yous, we said hello and thanks. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, it's delicious. Uh, yes, it is. Um, and specifically, one of the things we're, we're talking about um, that we just kind of covered a little bit, and I think Moonshine, I think it was Moonshine, um, was that this really amazing thing. I'm not into NASCAR. I'm not either. I had a spell. You did? Yeah, like one year. And then it just went away? Yeah. It is one of the world's biggest sports. Oh, yeah. Um, popular, popular wise, huge, um, people love to see the cars go around in the circle. (laughs) 
Not always just in a circle. I'm not. That's true. At the road races. That's true. Um, and I'm not into uh, NASCAR, as I said, but I have a tremendous amount of respect for the sport because it was directly created by moonshiners. Yeah. Bootleggers running moonshine. Yeah. Led not, you know, indirectly. Yeah, exactly. They literally met and founded the National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing. Yeah. They're like, like that's where NASCAR came from. One cool. of the one of the preeminent owners, racers and then owners, Junior Johnson, yeah, did a year in jail for bootlegging. Yeah, Wilkes, he's from Wilkes County, North Carolina, which was like one of the hotbeds of bootlegging. Yeah. And by no surprise, it is also uh, North Carolina's like the center of NASCAR. Yeah, it's not a coincidence. No, it's not. No. So let's talk about this this whole thing. Like, where, what what were people bootlegging for? I mean, like, I know it's kind of like if you want it done right, do it yourself. But when it comes to making booze, like, yeah, there's a lot of really good booze out there. Why not just spend the money? <laughs> well, this was happening in the rural South. Okay. A lot going on back then um, on the heels of the Great Depression. Hit the South really hard. Yeah. Because um, there weren't factories to go to work to afterward or during. And the mills were shut down. The mills were basically the economic engine of the South. Yeah. So farming's drying up to a certain degree. Yeah. Uh, there's prohibition going on. That's a big one. So it's basically prohibition and the Depression are the two big factors that led to yes. the rise, right? So we need to... Well, even after Prohibition, the mm-hmm. South still had a lot of dry counties, and to this day still has dry counties. It's crazy. It is crazy. 2012. Like 2000. And there are dry counties. Was it 2012 or 2011 when Georgia voted yeah. or let cities vote to repeal the, the blue law for Sunday? Sunday sales. Like just this year, Georgia <laughs> got Sunday sales. There's like a Mars Curiosity <laughs> rover on the planet Mars taking pictures of it. Right. Of us not buying beer on Sundays. It's crazy. It is crazy. Um, but yes, yeah, so even after Prohibition gets repealed, a lot of Southern counties were like, well, wh- you know, you can't tell us what to do, Johnny Law. We're going to yeah. we're gonna stay dry. And a lot of bootleggers were like, okay, well, I can still sell to these counties. And I happen to have one sweet ride. Right. I don't have a lot, but I got a sweet Ford with a ambulance engine in it. Right. And it goes really, really fast. A Cadillac ambulance engine. Yeah, that was one of the mods that they would do to and make these things faster. So you needed this car, not just to show off, but because if you were selling in Dry County, the federal government really couldn't have cared two bits whether you were or not. Yeah. Most of the time, though, if you were smart at all, you weren't reporting these sales on your taxes. Yeah, I read that had more to do with it than anything. I would, yeah. Was... They didn't want to pay taxes. I mean, it had to do with prohibition and all that stuff. Yeah. But it was really like, you know what? We were making this stuff ourselves, selling it to people across county lines. Like, why should I give the federal government a piece of that? Well, that, that um, not just whiskey making or moonshining, yeah. but also the idea that you shouldn't be paying taxes on that predates the United States. Oh, I'm sure. Like the Whiskey Rebellion. Yeah. Was the that that actually came after the United States, but moonshining came before. Yeah. But the Whiskey Rebellion, the the first the one of the first things George Washington had to deal with, was because of taxing corn liquor. Yeah. Which is, it's an American tradition. It is. Don't tax our booze. Yeah. Um. So all these factors add up to uh, either it's your family business, 
and you're maybe 15, but you've been driving the, the truck on the farm since you were eight. Yeah. And the tractor. So you're like in the South, it was like, oh, you don't have a license yet. You know, we shouldn't let you behind the wheel of a car. Right. It was like, you know, are you old enough to reach the pedals? Or and do we have wood it? blocks? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like uh, the kid in, uh, Oh, brother, where art thou? Oh, you didn't like that one, right? No, I liked it. Oh, okay. That kid, and then he also... He had wood blocks on his feet. Right, in Short Round from uh, Temple of Doom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The good Indiana Jones movie, or one of them. Yeah. One of two? One of three? Yeah, the I would Crystal put... Crystal Skull's the fourth one, right? Yeah, I would put that third in the list, though. I'd, I would go Raiders, and then Last Crusade, mm. then Temple of Doom, and then I don't even count the last one. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, either you're in the family business, and they're like, this kid can drive, or... You can drive, and some other families like, hey, that you know that Clark kid, he can get on it in that Ford. I sure can. Let's get him to run the shine. And so all of a sudden you got a job, yeah, that pays you dough. But it's not just paying you dough; it's also extremely thrilling. Yeah, and a lot of bragging rights going on when you're out running cops. It's it's like the Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. Can we just go ahead and say it? Yeah, it is. I mean, you can't read this article without thinking Bowen Luke Duke, Bowen Luke Duke. You know what's crazy is not once did I think of really? Bill and Luke Duke. Yeah. Oh man, the whole time I was like, "This is the Dukes of Hazard." Were they moonshiners? No. Oh, but th- it was the same thing, like juicing up your car, beefing up the suspension and the right. engine, so you can outrun the local cops. Yeah. And you know, you know all the back roads. All right, I don't want to give away too much. Okay, so um, we've got the depression thing and unemployment in the South, and then we also have prohibition, and these things are coming together, and so all of a sudden you've got fourteen-year-olds who uh, know how to operate cars outrunning cops. And revenueers. Right, the revenueers. So there was a revenueer named John Carter, and he became a great source. Of Mars? <clears throat> no? Mm-mm. Oh, okay. Different John Carter. Gotcha. Uh, he became a, a great source from the law's side. Uh-huh. He was one of the guys chasing these people. And he was the source for um, that 14-year-old quote about how, like, by the time these kids are 14, not starting when right. they're 14, they're driving. Yeah. By the time they're 14, he said they could outraw any lawman he knew. And he was one of the lawmen. Yeah. Yeah. And so one of the ways they did it was, like you said, was by modifying uh, stock cars. Yeah. Right? Like taking a Ford Coupe and putting a, a Cadillac ambulance engine in it. That'll do it. Um, switching, you know, engines between m- makes. Yeah. Right, so like uh, apparently Chevy engines are easier to modify right. than Fords, so you might have a Ford car with the Chevy engine. Yeah, um, and they'd say that if you see it go to one of these auto shows today, mm-hmm. some of these old twenties and thirties Fords will still have Chevy engines in them. Well, that's where hot rods came from too, not just NASCAR, but hot rods. Oh yeah, and like that whole hot rod thing in the in the California in the sixties, uh-huh. straight out of bootlegging moonshine whiskey really? cars. Yeah, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so the revenueers, I don't think we specified, they are, they were the tax guys yeah. who came to collect and they were, they were feds. The they, alcohol tax unit. Yeah. Like they were sending these guys in from like New Jersey and New York to these rural Southern towns mm-hmm. and Bo and Luke were like, bring it on. Yeah. You don't know these roads like I know them, pal. You don't know these roads. Yeah. You don't know your car like I know my car. Sure. Cause I'm the one who modified it right. in all these crazy ways. I added the turbocharger. Yeah. I brushed out the piston hole <laughs> cylinder. Is that a, the piston hole? Cylinder. <laughs> Is that a common method, brushing the cylinder? I believe so. Okay. Um, they would modify. They would uh, built in uh, custom switches 
where you could turn off your brake lights or your tail lights or both? That was a Clay Call. Was he the first Clay dude Call, to do that? Who was a buddy of Junior Johnson's. Uh-huh. He did that. So what what's happens is you're flying down the road behind one of these cars at night, and let's say the taillights completely go out and they can pull in a little, you know, like side dirt road. Right. Or you're following them during the daytime and they're banking on a corner and they're hitting the brakes and the cop doesn't realize that. Yeah. So he goes flying into the corner and then <laughs> he smashes into something. Pretty smart. Yeah. It's so basic, though. You also need really, really good shocks and struts. Yeah. Um, and the reason why is because the best thing to do is to not have to try to outrun the cops and just drive right past them and wave like you're just a law-abiding citizen. Like I don't have 500 pounds of liquor in my trunk. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's the whole point of the shocks and struts. And also so when you do have to outrun them, your car is not just bottoming out on every divot. Yeah, that's true. Um, and if you do get pulled over, mm-hmm. another early line of defense was false bottom trunks. Yeah. Um, hidden cargo panels. Yeah. Basically, just places you could stash liquor. That's true. But uh, who wrote this? Was this the Grabster? No, this was uh, Jamie Page Deaton. Oh, JPD? (laughs) Uh, As JPD points out, cops would eventually get wise to all these things as well, and then it came down to what would lead to NASCAR, which is, I can drive better than you. Yes. Period. So that's like when the banjo music would start. (laughs) Exactly. When the cop turned on the sirens. (laughs) Right. And like... I know all your tricks, but now the race is on. Right. So um, you've got uh, these local roads that are often very, uh, what is it, Thunder Road in North Georgia? I don't know. There's a place, there's a road called Thunder Road in North Georgia, and I think Bob Mitchum was in a movie about it or something back in the day. Really? Called Thunder Road, I think. But anyway, it's like like a lot of people died, especially revenueers, because they didn't know like the curves. It was right. particularly dangerous. But those moonshine boys like knew exactly what they were doing and could take these curves. Most of them, a lot of moonshine runners died. Sure, in their own cars on their own roads, just going too fast, too far, too hard. Yeah. But if you were a revenue, you're at a greater disadvantage because also you didn't know where to double back and hide out. Yeah. Um, and there was a move that was created by Junior Johnson called Bootlegger's Turn. <laughs> yeah. Which we've all seen. It's where the car goes. Um, one direction, and then all of a sudden it does a 180, yeah. straightens out, and drives back the other direction before the car that's chasing it can turn around. Yeah. Bootlegger's turn. I never knew that. Yeah, Junior Johnson patented that one, and also later on would go on to, um, I, I wouldn't say invent, I guess discover the um, drafting, which if you don't know what drafting is in car racing, it's when, <clears throat> and you can experience this, it's very dangerous, you don't want to try this. But if you get behind like a big 18-wheeler on the highway yeah. and you're close enough, mm-hmm. it often feels like you don't have to hit the gas as hard. It's because you don't. You're being sucked up into the wind behind it and carried yeah, it along, right? it breaks the draft and essentially you're in a little vacuum getting right up on the car behind you. Mm-hmm. And in 1960, I think, at the Daytona 500, Junior Johnson realized this by accident on a practice lap and... Apparently had an inferior car to the rest of the cars and won the race based on that technique. And then everyone was like, what's Junior doing? (laughs) We got to do it, too. Right. Let's name it. So they named it Drafting. That's weird. Well, I guess Drafting makes sense. It does now, but is that just because we know what it's called? No, it's like a draft. Yeah, I guess you're right. Give me my shawl. There's a draft. (laughs) 
You know what I mean? Yeah. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Junior Johnson. Junior who was, who Johnson. was pardoned, too, by Ronald Reagan. 1986. Yeah, because you said he got arrested <clears throat> for not actually bootlegging, but just for going to the still one night, right? And they were he was on him. caught at his daddy's still by John <laughs> his, Carter his himself. <laughs> that's what, yeah. When your father has a still in the woods. He's daddy. That's daddy. <laughs> um, you, he was caught at his daddy's still um, by John Carter. And he did uh, 11 months, three days yeah. in prison um, in North Carolina. No, I'm sorry. In, in Ohio. Chillicothe, Ohio. Yeah. Uh, or Chillicothe, Ohio. Um, so, but he was caught in North Carolina. But apparently, bootleggers uh, and whiskey runners had this reputation of being so honest that when they were caught, as legend tells, uh-huh. when they were caught and sentenced, the judge would frequently let them leave um, and just go home and be told when to meet the prison bus, like meet the prison bus March 21st. And when the prison bus showed up, like at that stop, yeah. the bootlegger would be sitting there waiting for the bus to take it to take him to prison. Wow, they were known to be that that um, honest. Yeah, despite their illegalities. Yeah, well, that was I think one of the reasons why Tom Wolfe called the North Carolina Wilkes County specifically mm-hmm. uh, bootleggers the last the last American heroes because yeah. they were kind of I mean they were against the law. Yeah, and they would like. Kill revenueers. Yeah. But they were also very honest in their dealing right. <laughs> when they were caught. Didn't you say, didn't you point out there was a movie coming out about this? Yeah, there's a movie called Lawless, and it's based on a book called The Wettest County in the World. Yeah, I saw the original name of the movie up until this year was Wettest County. Yeah. Which I have to admit, it's pretty bad. No, it's got to be Wettest <laughs> County in the World, yeah. or the Wettest County in the World. Yeah. And it's about a county in Virginia. I can't remember which one. Um, and the 
they changed the name to Lawless, and Nick Cave wrote the script. Awesome. He is awesome in like every good. way. Yeah. Um, and Guy Pierce is in it. He plays the Treasury Revenue guy. That's Nick Cave with a V, by the way, not Nick Cage. Yeah. Okay. Nick Just Cave. Point that out. Of Bad Seeds fame. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Shia LaBeouf, to bring it full circle, from uh, Crystal Skulls. Yeah. He's in it. I, I don't think we should bring things full circle to the Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls. Yeah, you're anymore. right. You know, that's two consecutive episodes where it just came up organically. Yeah. Strange. But yeah, Lawless is coming out this month. That oh, we're really? recording this, the 29th, I believe. Awesome. Yeah. Can't wait. Because I was thinking, I think I told you this morning when I was reading this, I was like, man, why haven't they made a movie about this? Well, my friend, they have. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to it. Um, all right. So where are we? World War Two? Yeah. What? What? Why isn't this still going on? And by the way, this this article is not correct. It said that they were well, they were running whiskey well into the seventies. Clay Call, who's Junior Johnson's BFF forever. Yeah. Um, he was doing it in the eighties. Really? Into the eighties, yeah. And it was the um the rise of the of chicken farming, like mega chicken processing plants uh-huh. that converted all of these former corn liquor distillers. Into chicken farmers because huh. it was just more lucrative, and they're like, "Well, hell, I'll raise chickens then." Interesting. But he was into the '80s. He said that one of his cars, a uh, an old New Yorker from the '60s, that he said um, the the writer of this Hot Rod magazine article r- called something that a like, doctor or lawyer would would um, use would drive. Right. But it was like one of his prized possessions because that thing would just haul too. Oh yeah. He modified it. He said that he. Um, there were bullet holes in it from the 80s. So he was like real deal seriously doing wow. this in, into the 80s. Because, I mean, his car got bullet holes in the 1980s yeah, from well, bootlegging. When was Smokey and the Bandit? That was 70s. Yeah. But he wasn't, he was just, uh, he just couldn't drive 55. No, they were smuggling beer. I don't remember that. Yeah, of course. That was what they were doing. Remember the big truck? I didn't know that. It was full of Coors beer. Illegal Coors beer? Yeah, back then... Coors was only out west, and they wanted some in Georgia. Oh, yeah. And so they, they sent Smokey uh, to it Texarkana was... okay. and Jerry Reed to get the truckload of Coors beer to bring it back in like 24 no hours or something. Yeah. Um, huh. Okay. So flash forward a bit. Um, in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, I guess not forward. We're kind of right there in the middle. Um, there wasn't a lot going on entertainment-wise in the <laughs> rural south. Right. Didn't have a movie theater sometimes. Didn't have a mall. Yeah. Didn't have a lot to do. So they would clear out fields and make dirt track racetracks. Well, farmers would. Yeah. And make some cash off of it. Yeah, because sort of like Field of Dreams, except they would build a racetrack. <laughs> you know? If you build it, they will come. Right. And, it uh, was like um, Days of Thunder, except in a farm field. <laughs> and dirt track was huge. I mean, it's still big. People still race on dirt tracks. Yeah. But, um, Junior Johnson apparently said that he never got on pavement when he was bootlegging. He's like, you have a 10 to 1 better odds of losing the cops on a dirt road. Because mm. these cops, I mean, not only did they not know the roads in the south, they were not used to sliding around on dirt roads. Sure. And these guys are just like, you know, professional uh, drifters. Right. You know, not... Tokyo drifters. Yeah, Tokyo drifters, <laughs> not hobo drifters. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, all right. While this is going on, you've got these southern towns and farmers building these dirt tracks, making right. a little scratch. But also kind of making a name for car racing. Sure. Like, this is kind of a new thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Indy was around and all that, but these this it wasn't kind of big in the south, I don't think. 
was it? When did that start? Formula out? One racing, I should say. That was the this? earliest auto racing. Was Formula was One, I believe, like uh, nineteen hundred, maybe. Really? Or they were racing like Mercedes and stuff like that oh, in sure, Europe. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. stock car racing was very much new to the South. Well, it was, and then you know, eventually bootlegging dried up, and these people realized, you know what? In nineteen forty-seven, they got together in Daytona, Florida, uh, and said, "Let's make this like a legit thing. Mm-hmm. Like we think there's money to be made here. Yeah, uh, you guys can drive really fast. These stock cars aren't that much money because back then it was stock car racing. Like that was the whole point was we want." to have the fans identify with these people right. by driving a car just like they could drive. Yeah, it was all on the driver. Yeah. It, because it was like you weren't allowed to modify, and any modifications you could do were very slight, and they were really heavily regulated, and it was all about your driving skills. Yeah. And they did decide to go that route because it was, a, a like you said, a, a common bond between the fans and the the driver. Yeah. You know? Like, well, and it still both is. both driving the same car. Yeah. I mean, that, that brand loyalty is still huge. Yeah. You know, the Chevy guys and the Ford guys, like, they don't, they stick with the car more so than the driver even. Yeah. Which is pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, of course, now they're much more modified, but back in the day, it was called strictly stock, meaning mm-hmm. it, you know. Is that much what the what SS drove. means on some cars? I don't know. Oh, I wonder. Oh, you haven't seen that? I don't think so. Yeah, you have. There's yeah. like sometimes like a, you'll, it'll be like a normal car, uh-huh. like a Monte Carlo, but it'll say SS or something next to it. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I'll have to look into that. Or maybe it means like super stock. No. Might be strictly stock. Or it means super sweet. <laughs> but I did find it interesting, though, at the beginning of uh, NASCAR in 1948, um, I read this other article where they said that f- fans didn't want, like, it was sort of a um, a slap in the face to have these new cars out there being beat up because it was post-World War II and it was kind of a waste, wasteful to do something like that. So that's why they got these stock cars. And like a lot of dudes rode in the early days would actually rent cars to race, like a car rental. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they would get just get a rental car. And that's where Thrifty Car Rental came from. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and it wasn't until later on that they, like um, 1952, I think, were when roll bars were mandated. And uh, then, you know, gradually over the years, they became more and more modified. Although it's still, it's still, I mean, they're modified, but it's still a regular car. It's not like digital paddle shifters, right. like an Indy car. Like you could get in a NASCAR car mm-hmm. and theoretically you could drive it. Not well. No, I mean, be surprised. Well, you know, Junior Johnson said that it was a letdown to go from bootlegging to NASCAR. Oh, really? He said, quote, on the racetrack, you're a running to beat someone. Out on the highway, you're a running for your life. <laughs> awesome. He is uh, 81 years old now. Yeah. And I, I just read that he is uh, selling his mansion and downsizing, and he sells uh, Moonshine, Midnight Moon. Oh, is that his? Yeah, he can sell it. Like, he can buy it on the web. Yeah. And he also sells ham and pork rinds. <laughs> <laughs> I would eat those. <laughs> I would, too. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. 
I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, any other movies you got? No. Movies? I got two. Big Bad Mama, bootlegging movie. Yeah. She uh, takes over the bootlegging business after her husband dies. Uh-huh. Uh, and then there's a small, it's a small part, but it's one of my all-time favorite movies, Paper Moon. Has I thought that was your favorite in there. Yeah. Oh, okay. But it has a small moonshining part, bootlegging part. And I think the movie, uh, did you ever see Thunderbolt and Lightfoot? No. I think that had something to do with bootlegging i might be wrong what about dirty mary wait dirty larry crazy mary was that bootlegging i don't know (laughs) but clint eastwood was in thunderbolt and lightfoot and Mm. uh oh actually no it wasn't about it wasn't about moonshine uh sorry but it was about driving really fast yeah yeah i think so uh blue lagoon no no Uh, it's about six. If you want to learn more about whiskey cars, you can uh, type in whiskey cars with an E um, to the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. I would also strongly urge you to listen to our Moonshine podcast or yeah. Prohibition podcast. Good ones. Uh, yeah. And there's articles on the site for those, too, so you can type those in the search bar and see what comes up. I said search bar, which means it's time for listener mail. Uh, Chuck. Yes. We should tell everybody about something very special and dear to our hearts, New York City. That's right. We are going to Comic-Con, and we will be doing a live podcast on Friday, October 12th Yeah. at Comic-Con at yeah. the Javits Center. It's like our new thing. We did San Diego, now we're doing New York. That's right. Next up, Albuquerque. So if you are going to Comic-Con, you should come by and see that. But after Comic-Con, we have one of our famous, it's famous to us, <laughs> all-star trivia nights. Right. Um... Where is it going to be? The cutting room? It is at the 
grand reopening of the cutting room in uh, the Flatiron District, which yeah. is, what's the address? It is uh, 44 East 32nd Street in New York, and uh, it, it's in the Flatiron, you said? Yep, awesome. and uh, doors open at 7.30, trivia goes down at 8.30. And what is first come, first serve, right? Free, 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 first come, first serve. We will have a bar there that you can buy drinks. Yeah, you can buy us drinks. That's right. That We're going to basically be having a really good time. If you if you're not familiar with our trivia nights, like just come out and check it out. It'll be worth your while. Absolutely, and uh, stay tuned for info on Facebook and Twitter about the uh, makeup of the All Star Team. We are filling yep. that out as we speak, but. Yeah. We will have some special guests that you will want to meet. Yeah, and at the very least, you can come take on me and Chuck, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. It's just fun. So what is that? That's Friday, October 12th, right? Yep. Uh, the panel's at uh, when? Uh, the panel is at, I believe, 645. Okay, and then uh, we're going to be at the cutting room starting at 830. Trivia starts at 830, doors at 730. Be there, be square. You are good at this. Thank you. All right, is it time for listener mail? Yep. Uh, I'm going to call this shark attack. Man, I have to say, Chuck... You're, you have to go on our Twitter account. You are getting kudos all over the place for this. Oh, shark for Shark Diaries? Diaries? Nice. People love that. Hey, kudos to all the actors. Yes. Um, all right, Shark Attack. I just listened to your Shark Attack podcast and was thinking about my boyfriend. Uh, <laughs> you might be interested in his happy ending of his own Shark Attack. Okay. Uh, Kevin is his name. He's from South Africa. And he was surfing in front of his house one day when he was 16 when out of nowhere a great white came up and chomped down on his leg shark disappeared and the one friend he uh, was with helped him back to shore which was quite a ways and then went off to the hospital the doctor patching him up said he was really lucky as best I can figure the top of the jaw of the shark went into the leg while the bottom never made it through the surfboard which is kind of like that one story we talked about mm-hmm. surfboard saving the life uh, the doctor thought maybe the shark bit him in such a way where the fin of his surfboard hit that soft part under your tongue you know that part <laughs> oh that be really terrible to uh, down on. and hurt the shark so it swam away um, after listening to the podcast maybe it was just a test bite though and the shark didn't have any follow through uh, now that we're complain not that we're complaining of course anyway he left with a couple of hundred stitches and was back surfing six weeks later I'm attaching a picture of his leg I'm sorry that it's sideways <laughs> crazy and I did look and it was the dude's leg that had big shark teeth in it I didn't see that one I'll have to check it out yeah it was good uh, she said one more thing. Uh, we were talking about it just a few weeks ago, and I asked him if he punched the shark or anything like that. Um, I had a zoo books on shark when I was little, and I always thought I'd for sure punch a shark. He said it was pretty much the last thing on his mind, which is kind of what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I love the podcast, and that is from Bethany. And uh, Kevin is the boyfriend. Awesome. The surfer surfing out in front of his house. That must suck. Yeah, congratulations on staying alive. Yes. Uh, Kevin, right? Yep. And thanks for the story, Bethany. Um, If you have a story for us, especially one about how your granddaddy or pappy or whoever was a bootlegger, a moonshiner, something like that. Sure. uh, You can send us stuff via Twitter at SYSK Podcast. And when I say at, that means the at symbol. At ampersand. People know that. No, ampersand is the and sign. So at symbol, S-Y-S-K podcast, all one word. Uh, you can go to uh, facebook.com slash stuff you should know, or you can send us an email to stuffpodcast at discovery.com.
For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. In Puerto Rico, there's adventure around every corner and natural treasures waiting to be explored, like El Yunque, the only tropical rainforest in the U.S. Get swept away by natural beauty and come away with unique stories that could only be experienced in Puerto Rico and that remind you why you travel in the first place. Visits end, but stories last forever. You don't become a part of the island, it becomes a part of you. No passports required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. 